Amen. Well, hey, it's good to have a few bodies in the room this morning. It's good to see you, those of you that were able to make it out the last couple Sundays. We've been preaching to a just a bone-empty room, so it's nice to have a few faces in the house. And then thank each and every one of you at Destiny Church and also City Hills Church that's watching online. This is exciting. We're bringing two churches together today, and we're having just an amazing, amazing service. So I know that there's a few of us here, but there's also many, many, many people that are tuning in and joining us today that you can't even see for those of us that are here. So why don't we just clap our hands and let's make everybody watching online welcome. And as you're doing that, and I know it's COVID season still, so before you're seated, don't touch anybody, but just give somebody an air high five or wave at somebody that may be in and around you, and you can go ahead and take a seat. Wow, what an exciting um, day this is. We've been talking about this uh, this past week, and we are here. We have joined two churches uh, for the next few weeks to um, worship God together and to lift God up, and I know God is going to meet us in a very real um, way as we come together, two churches, but one heart, lifting up one God. Amen, everybody. Thank you to the band. We had some City Hills people and some Destiny people up here today. Didn't the band just do an amazing job leading us in worship? Thank you for all your hard work that you're doing. Well, if you've been watching me um, the last... I don't know, what are we, seven weeks now into 2021, um, you know that I've been talking, whether I've been preaching to you, City Hills Online, or the last few weeks I've been actually preaching here to Destiny as well. I've been talking a lot about God and what God is up to. I really believe that God is doing something new. We've been talking about that out of Isaiah, uh, the 42nd chapter, and um, how God is up to something. And I believe that God is doing something new. He's always creating and he's always working. The problem many times, though, is not that will God work. The problem is will his people tune in to what he's doing and will we be able to see him at work even when it doesn't look like he's working? And that's where I've really planted the last few weeks is I want to challenge us as followers of Jesus. I want to challenge Destiny Church and I want to challenge City Hills Church that as we're entering in still in the very beginning of a brand new year, that we tune our eyes to God and see what God is doing. If we're going to be a part of it, we need to see it. And many times, uh, we've talked about this, God is at work, but we cannot perceive it with just our natural eye. He told um, his people um, when he said, I'm about to do a new thing through the prophet Isaiah, he said, I've already begun it. Can you not see it? The, and and that, that's the issue. Many times God's already at work, but because the surrounding circumstances in our life hasn't physically changed yet, we don't think he's working. But God's saying, I'm behind the scenes and I'm setting everything up. I need you to see what nobody else can see. And that's what we've been um, talking about. And I believe that if we were able to do that, then God can use us as his people to be a part of what he is doing in the world. Now, you and I, we've all probably at one point in our life heard the expression, what you see is what you get, right? We've all heard somebody say that to us. Maybe you've said that to somebody else. What you see is what you get. And many times we'll say that to people, you know, kind of self-deprecating a little bit, or maybe it's trying to 
you know, cover up for some insecurity that we may have, and we just kind of say to people, hey, what, you know, what you see is what you get with me, as, as if to suggest that there's nothing hidden there, um, that, that, that everything about you is on full display, that there's no deeper part or there's no secret part of you. And while obviously there is some element of truth to that expression, how many of you know life is always more complex than what it seems like on the surface? Like, you can say that to somebody, hey, what you see is what you get, but we know how messed up and jacked up we really are, right? We know that there's a part of us that we don't let other people see. And if we ever sit down in a counselor or a psychologist's office and let them start taking a walk <laughs> through our emotions and through how our brain operates, you learn very quickly there's a whole lot more to see than what meets the eye. Can I get an amen, somebody? You see, here's, here's the thing, how you see determines what you see. How you see determines what you see. So if, if you are used and accustomed to only seeing and allowing yourself to see just what is on the surface and what your natural eye can see, that's all you'll ever see. But if you talk to a trained professional, like a, a counselor, a professional counselor, or a psychologist, they're trained to see differently than you and I. When they sit down with someone, they're trained to look deeper than just the initial automatic response from someone, or they're trained to look deeper than what the person is wanting everybody else to see. How they see determines what they see, and they see people very differently than the untrained eye can see. And that translates over into the realm of the spiritual and the realm of the kingdom of God. As followers of God and as people of God, you and I, how we see, how we see God, how we see the church, how we see ourselves, how we see others will determine what we see. And we have a choice. Are we going to see one-dimensionally? Are we going to see just what the evidence that we can see with a physical eye suggests to us? Or will we see beyond that and see deeper? You see, all of us are shaped by the environment around us. It's sort of, a, if I can say it like this, we're all culturally conditioned. We're all culturally conditioned to see things a certain way. Don't believe it? Turn on the news, open up Facebook, and you'll see that we're all kind of culturally conditioned to view the world around us, to view what's happening in the world a certain way. But I want to challenge us as people of God as we step into this new reality, as we step into 2021, as we step into this new world, quite frankly, that has, has uh, become to exist around us in the last year that we see differently than maybe everybody else sees that's just looking on the surface and in one dimension. And I want to bring a scripture to us here today that maybe helpfully will help us. And for those of you that are watching at City Hills, I actually brought this scripture to you last week. Um, and so I'm going to catch destiny up really quickly. So you're going to hear me repeat a few things here at the very onset that I said to you last week, but I believe it's so powerful you need to hear it again. And then after we get all caught up, I want to bring one more thought to you before we leave, and it's going to take me like the next 15, 20 minutes and I'll be done, all right? You ready to go? Acts 3. They're going to teach us 
these disciples of Jesus, Peter and John, how we should see. Acts 3, 1 through 10, it's the very beginning of the New Testament church. And it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. I don't want you to miss what the text just set up for us there. This gate called Beautiful, this man was brought to every day. Somebody say every day. It was his routine. It was his rhythm. It was his life. It was what he saw and what everybody else saw that was going in and out of the temple every day. And they were culturally conditioned to see this man begging every day. And this man himself was culturally conditioned to expect to be at that gate every day to beg and depend upon the generosity of other people. But today would be different than all the other days. Because the scripture says in, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Again, this man is conditioned every day. He begs for money at this gate. And when people pause and they take note of him, he expects them to give him money. Because this is how his life had been every day up until today. So he's got an expectation when Peter and John stop and pay attention to him. But watch what Peter and John do. Because Peter and John don't see like everybody else sees. Peter and John, though everyone else had been conditioned to stop and give this guy some money and, and be on their way and bless him, they're seeing different. They're just fresh off the, first, the, the chapter right before this in Acts, the second chapter. They're fresh off a baptism of the Holy Spirit where God has empowered them and commissioned them to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. And so they don't respond to this guy the way everybody else does. Watch how they respond. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. God worked a miracle through the faith of Peter and John in that guy's life on that day because Peter and John dared to see differently than everybody else. 
You see, everybody else who had passed this guy going to the gate beautiful, all they saw was another beggar that they were used to seeing at the gate of the temple every day, and they were conditioned that, to respond in a certain way. When I see a beggar, if I've got some money and can help them, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to help them because this is the only way they have to support themselves. This is the only way that they can feed themselves, especially in this type of culture and in this type of society. If he couldn't work, there was no social government programs. There were no uh, assistance and aids from the governmental system around them. So they depended on the generosity of these people. And so people would just give and keep on walking. And this is how everybody saw. They saw in one dimension. This is the way the world is structured. We have lame people. We have beggars. We have those that are healed and those that are able to work and support their family and those that can support their family that have extra need to give and support those that can't. And this is the way everybody saw. But Peter and John arrives this day. And somehow they begin to see differently. After they have been baptized with the Spirit of God in the previous chapter, they don't see the world the same way they used to see the world. And they don't see the world like everybody else saw the world. And even when this guy asks them for money, I love what Peter and John, they do. They stop and Peter looks at him and says, you know what, I don't have any money to give you. This guy had an expectation of Peter and John, and they could not meet that expectation. How many of you have ever had other people around you that ex expects certain things of you, and you just know you don't have it in you to meet that expectation? We all feel like that. And, and we can do one of two things. We can respond one of two ways when other people throw expectations on us that we can't meet. We can feel sorry for ourselves. We can beat ourselves up. We can, we can break our necks trying to, to give them what we don't have. Or we can rather free ourselves and do what Peter and John decided to do and say, I'm not going to worry about what I can't do. I'm not going to worry about not meeting your expectations, and I'm certainly not going to kill myself trying to give you what you expect of me when I know I can't meet that expectation, but I do have something. Can I tell you, one of the most freeing things you'll ever do in your life is when you free yourself of the expectations of other people. When you free yourself of the expectations that other people want to put on you that you know you can't meet and rather plug into God and say, you know what, God's given me a gift set. God's given me something. I'm not going to worry about what I can't give. I'm going to worry about what I do have and what I can give. And this is what Peter's response to this gentleman was. I don't have any money, but I do have something. And that's the first thing we need to learn from this story that I want to get across here today is that what you have is greater than what you don't have. We need to learn to see differently and understand that what we have in our life is greater than what we don't have. I want to encourage somebody here today that you've walked in this place or you're watching online and you've, you've beat yourself up and you felt like you were deficient in some way because you feel like you lack something in your life that other people expect of you. And because you lack it, somehow you feel like you're less than, somehow you feel like you don't meet other people's expectations. But I want to cause you to shift the way you see today 
if God will help me to help you understand that you have everything you need to accomplish God's purpose, his plan, and his will in your life, not only in your life and for you, but for the people that he's placed around you. That what you have in your life and what you do possess, the gifting that you have, the ability that you have, the relationships that you have is greater than what you don't have. But here's the problem. Far too many of us are conditioned by the environment around us to focus on what we lack. Far too many of us walk through our lives focused on what we don't have, focused on our deficiencies, focused on our quirks, focused on the things that make us different, that make us feel odd, focused on the things that make us feel out of place, and we spend all of our energy and we spend all of our effort and we spend all of our emotions crying about, sorry about, trying to fix something in us that's not wrong to begin with. But we focus everything around on, on what we lack and what we don't have and this and that and, 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 and what the expectations of other people that we cannot meet. Can I tell you, what you have is greater than what you don't have. And if you can shift your vision and you can begin to focus on what God has give, given you and what God has entrusted you with, and you'll say, hey, God, I'm going to give you what I do have. Stop focusing on what you don't have. God can take that and he can use it to do something incredible and powerful in your life and in the lives of those around you. But you got to learn to start seeing differently. Come on, what do you see in your life? Do you see lack or do you see abundance? Do you look at your life? Do you look at your circumstance? Do you look at the thing that you're walking through right now? And when you gaze it at it and you look at it, do you, do you see everything that's stacked against you? Do you see everything that's gone wrong? Do you see all the things that you don't have that you feel like you need to accomplish what God wants you to do or to accomplish your goal or your dream or your ambition? Or will you rather focus your attention on the thing that you do have? This is, this is very important for us as the church and followers of Jesus, especially in this, this COVID world that we're living in, because the world has shifted for us, and it's changed, and it's presented challenges that we're all having to work through, and we all have a choice. Am I going to look at what, we, uh, what I don't have, or I'm going to focus on what we do? I'll be very honest with you. As we walk through this, every church, every organization, but I'm just speaking specifically to the church. I'm talking about City Hills. I'm talking about Destiny. As churches, this last year, we've all lost something. For one reason or another. And it's, it would be very easy as we're kind of beginning to just come out of, of complete and total shutdown and as we're beginning to just open up our church in a safe way and, 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 and just begin to kind of get back. And it would be very easy as we're kind of meandering back at, at our own pace and our own comfortability and that's what you should do as we come back. It would be very easy to look with the natural eye in one dimension and see, hey, man, things don't look like they used to look. We're missing a few things that we have. And if we're not careful, we can begin to get focused on what we don't have that we used to have. 
And if we're not careful, we can begin to allow the culture and our conditioning around us to make us feel like that that makes us weaker and that we're not in a position of strength. But I want to come and tell City Hills and tell Destiny and tell every follower of Jesus, I don't look at it that way, and neither should you. We should look at it as people of God, not at what we don't have, but we need to look and say, hey, look at what we do have. What we do have is a body of believers. We have a group of people that are still connected to God Almighty, that is still connected to the local church, that still has gifting and ability and talent, and what we do have is greater than what we don't have, and I believe with all of my heart that the future is brighter and greater than anything we've ever had in the past. And if we can begin to see and look at that, God is going to do something amazing and great, not only in our own lives, but in our churches as well. He's going to use us to bless our community around us. He's going to use us to make an impact for God's kingdom and the world around us. Can I get an amen, somebody? Come on, you got to understand that what you have is greater than what you don't then the second and final thing I want to leave you with here today, and I'll be done, is that purpose is greater than perspective. Purpose is greater than perspective. It's not bad to have a perspective. We all have a perspective. We all have a, well, this is how I see it kind of thing, right? It's not bad to have a perspective. But if we're not careful, especially, again, in the culture and society we find ourselves in today with social media and all kinds of things feeding and coming at us from all different directions, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If we're not careful, we can let perspectives distract us, even, dare I say, perspectives blind us from purpose. We get so caught up and hung up on making sure my perspective is heard and people try to see my perspective that we lose track of ultimate purpose. I love this about Peter and John as they're walking to the gate, beautiful, and this man stops them. They didn't stop and start arguing between themselves, between Peter and John, about their perspective of what's going on here, and, and we don't have any money, and so how are we going to get money to provide for this guy and meet his expectations? See, this is what perspectives will do. It will get us off track. Because they knew they didn't have any money. And so, so if they would stop and just listen to the guy at, on, on, the, on the surface level and try to meet his need like everybody else met it and providing him money, they could have begun to say, well, you know, we don't have any money, but how, John, what do you think about this? How can we go get some money for this guy? And Well, Peter would respond, and Peter would say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe we should do this. And, and the other would say, maybe we should do that. And they could get so hung up on trying to, to figure out how are we going to meet this guy's need that, that purpose gets lost in the shuffle. But they didn't get distracted by perspectives. They didn't get distracted by opinions. They were in alignment with and they were focused on the ultimate purpose that they had been placed there for. And John and Peter knew our purpose here is not to give you money. You think that's our purpose. Your perspective is that we would give you some money. But that's not what we're here for. We can't meet that need. And we're not going to get hung up on arguing about how we can go figure out to meet that need. 
We're rather going to stay on assignment and understand and know that what we do have to give you is greater than what we don't have. And so Peter says, look up and look at me. And he says, in the name of Jesus... Take up your bed and walk. And he grabs him by the hand, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, this man that had been laid at this gate every day of his adult life and was conditioned to believe and think that that was all his life would ever be, day in and day out. There were two men that stepped into his life that day that saw differently and that was focused on purpose and not perspective. And they said, no, 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 no. what you need is a healing. What you need is your strength, not money. And so I don't have money, but I do know a man named Jesus that can get you out of your dilemma. And so what I do have, I give to you. Get up and walk. And God did something amazing that day. Can I tell you, when God finds a group of people that are willing to plug into purpose that are willing to see differently than the rest of the world. Why did this man, for his whole adult life, laid at the temple gate day in and day out, why, did he, why is it just now happening in his life? Why is this moment just happening? I happen to believe there was a divine appointment. I happen to believe there was a divine uh, date on God's calendar. But I love the fact that there were so many people every day that just kind of walked by him and here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. They saw like everybody else was seeing. But there's these two men that stepped up and said, no, I'm going to see differently. And God's got a purpose for you. And it's not to sit here and beg for money, but God has a purpose. He wants you to get up, and he wants you whole. And what I've got is greater than what I don't have. Here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Come on, I want to challenge us as people of God not to become so married to our perspectives not to be so conditioned in arguing about being right on how we see things that we miss the purpose of what God is wanting to do, not only in our lives individually, but what he's wanting to do with the church collectively. God has got a purpose for his people. God has got a purpose for our churches in this world, and that is to usher in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And can I tell you, when the church is going to stand up and be victorious, the day that the church stands up and says, we're not going to be bickering about what's going on around us. We're not going to be bickering about our own perspectives and how I see it and this way and that way, but we are going to be laser focused. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a people of God. I want to be a part of a church. I want City Hills Church. I want Destiny Church to be a people that is laser focused on one thing only, and that is Jesus is our King and He is our Lord, and we serve Him and Him alone. We don't serve anything else or anybody else, and we are only a mission, and that mission is to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So you can get caught up in your chat rooms and on Facebook and on Twitter and all of your petty arguments and going back and forth, and you can waste all kinds of emotional energy and all kinds of physical energy trying to prove a point. But as for me and my house, the prophet Joshua said to Israel, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me 
and Kimberly and Elin, I tell you what we're going to be focused on. I'm not going to be focused on all this other stuff. I'm going to be focused on God's got a work for the church to do today, and I want to be a part of it. I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing on earth today. God is at work. I know it may not look like it to some. To some, it looks like the church is retreating. To some, it looks like the church is defeated. But I preached to you over the last few weeks out of that passage in Matthew, the 16th chapter, when Jesus looked at his disciples at the very gates of hell there in Caesarea Philippi. And he says, I want each and every one of you to know that if you can see me for who I am, I have the power and the ability to bring my church to the gates of hell itself. And I will build a church and it will be victorious. Can I tell us here today on this Sunday that if we can get focused on Jesus and not focused on all the other junk that this world wants us to focus on, then we will see a God that is ready to move in a mighty way to touch your life and to use you to impact the world around you. Can you see it? Come on, Peter and John. Are you going to feel the pressure to respond to this man's request like everybody else is? Like the rest of society does? Well, here, here's a few big, here's a few uh, pocket change and, and I'm just going to keep on moving. Are you going to feel pressure to live that way? Or will you understand there's a purpose? God's got you here for a reason. Don't try to act like everybody else acts. Don't think like everybody else thinks. Don't respond like everybody else responds. Think differently. See differently. And watch God move. In a supernatural way through you. Okay, I'm done. I'm halfway through my sermon, but this will preach later. (laughs) City Hills knows this all too well. Destiny, you're learning the last few weeks. My my dear precious memo, Welch whom I loved greatly. She helped raise me. She passed away at 87 years old this past December. And my papa, he passed away about five years before her. And when I was home for the funeral in December in Louisiana, you know, all the family was there, so we start talking about, you know, just memories we had of Mama and Papa and just laughing, telling funny stories and all that. And, and I was reminded, we, we used to always um, laugh at them. I remember growing up as kids because they had this quirkiness about them. I never heard my Mama and Papa have one serious argument. Never heard them have one serious fight, but they just bickered all the time. You know, they would just, in a loving way. Because they just saw the world differently, and they saw things differently, and they both were stubborn and hard-headed. And one would say something, and the other one disagreeing, like, now, honey, I don't see it like that. And I remember one year, uh, I, I can't remember if it was... Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas. It was some sort of day where you give gifts. And we were at Memaw and Papa's house, and, and somebody had bought my memaw 
a cast iron skillet, a brand new cast iron skillet. Because let me tell you, if you've never had, you haven't, you hadn't eaten until you had an old timer cook you something in a cast iron skillet, like some good biscuits or a pawn of cornbread. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, somebody? Yeah, that's eating. That's how I grew up eating, okay? And, and so we made sure that Mama was had stocked full plenty of cast iron skillets. She wasn't going to run short on those because as long as she had them, she kept the food coming. But this particular one was a little bit different than the other she had because it was, it was, like a, it was shaped like a square. It was kind of rounded, you know. I mean, it, it's cast iron. They can't get the thing just completely square, I, I suppose. So it's kind of like, you know, a little rounded. But it was a square. And so... <clears throat> Mama, you know, she got it, and she's like, oh, thank you. I don't have one. I don't have a square cast iron skillet. Thank you so much. And Papa looked at her and was like, now, honey, that's not a square. And she looked back at him and was like, Grady, I know it is. This is a square. Pearly, that's her name, that is not a square. A square has definitive edges. And those corners are rounded. That's not a square. And from that conversation ensued about a 10-minute debate on whether or not this skillet was square or not. That I am kind of ashamed to say before all was said and done, ended up, there was a measuring tape brought out. And we were measuring <laughs> that skillet <laughs> to prove a point. And it went on for about 15 minutes. I don't know if the argument ever got settled. I don't know if, you know, probably one of them, as they always did, they finally just throw in the white towel and you're like, okay, okay, whatever. But it illustrates the point how we can get so hung up on perspectives that we miss purpose. Because the purpose of the square cast iron skillet was not to determine if it's a true square or not. The purpose of the skillet was Memo to put some of her homemade cornmeal that she made cornbread from in that thing and throw it in the oven and let's get some cornbread out of that thing. That's the purpose of it, right? And so at some point in the argument, you know, I just want to say, hey, I don't care if it's square, round, rectangle, triangle, just cook some cornbread. That's the thing that matters. And I'm afraid you and I are living in a world that's trying to condition all of us to argue whether it's square or round. And God's trying to say to his people, who cares? I'm trying to use you to build an eternal, everlasting kingdom. And in case you need reminding, I'm not short on power. 
the world you see around you, you may see with one dimension and with your natural eye and you think you're going backwards and the church is going backwards and we're not winning and, 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 and we're not as strong as we were before we went into COVID and you got all these fears and you got all these worries. But just so you're reminded, I'm not short on power and everybody's got a different perspective on how we should come out of this and everybody's got a different opinion on what the church should be doing and what the church ought to be doing and how we should come out of COVID and how we should be relating and how we should do this and how we should do that and we're going to argue so many people are going to be caught up arguing over perspectives and opinions and God's standing over somewhere in the corner saying hey I got a purpose that's greater than all of that are you going to spend your energy and your time just trying to, to argue over your perspective and prove yourself right or will you like Peter and John walking to that gate stop and say there's a purpose and I'm going to get my perspective out of the way and I'm going to get my opinion out of the way I'm going to stop feeling sorry for myself I'm going to start feeling like I lack so much in my life because what I do have and what God has given me is so much greater than what I don't have and I'm going to live on purpose and I'm going to see God move come on City Hills come on Destiny Church if we will live on purpose and we will tune out the noise of the culture around us that's trying to tell us we're defeated we're going backwards and we will look to heaven I see God sitting on His throne I love that scripture in, in, that where, where Isaiah says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was high, and he was lifted up. Uzziah was a good king in Israel that served them well, and he served them for a long time. And when he died, the hearts of Israel were crushed, and they didn't know what kind of king they were going to get. And they were fearful and worried. In the middle of all of that, Isaiah said, In the middle of the frustration, in the middle of the anxiety in the middle of the loss I saw the Lord I didn't see the trouble I didn't see the doomsdayers reports I saw the Lord and he was high and he was lifted up and his train filled the temple what are you going to see are you going to see lack or are you going to see God's abundance what you see is what you're going to get. Come on, I want to be Peter and John and say, I don't have some things, but I do have one thing that can change your life. And I'm going to let the kingdom of God come. Come on, somebody. You may be watching right now. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you had a relationship with God at some time in the past and you walked away. Maybe through this whole COVID isolation, you've kind of drifted. I'm here to tell you, don't beat yourself up for what you're not today. But this is God telling you who you are and what you have is more than enough to get to Him and allow Him to use you and do something great in your life. So I'm going to give everybody an opportunity. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, if you want to renew a relationship with God, if you want to start a fresh relationship with God today, maybe you've never done that. I promise you, all it's very easy. All you got to do is just surrender to God. And today can be the beginning of the greatest move of God in your life. 
And if you're ready to do it online right now in this room, everybody just bow your head with me as we bring this to a close. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, you just pray with me right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. And today I give myself to you. I refuse to feel sorry for myself any longer about what I don't have. I refuse to think that my mistakes and my failures and the lack in my life can prevent you from doing something great in my life. So today, I repent of my sins. And I'm sorry, oh God. And I say yes to your plan, to your purpose, and to your future for my life. From this day forward, I am yours. And I will never be the same again. And can everybody say amen with me right there. Come on, if you believe God just did something in somebody's life, I want you to stand with me if you're here in this room. And I want us just to put our hands together and let's thank God for what He's done. For those watching online, for those in this room, thank you God. Now come on, I want you to lift your hands all over this place, at home, right there in your living room, right there in your kitchen, wherever you are. Close your eyes, lift your hand toward heaven. If you're in this building, close your eyes, lift your hands toward heaven. And I pray a prayer of blessing over this group of people right now, online and in this building. God, we choose and we are determined to see differently. God, we commit to you, Lord, that we are going to buy into the reality that what we do have is greater than what we don't have and that we are going to be consumed with purpose, not perspective. We are going to live for you and we are going to allow ourselves to be used by you to minister to those around us for the purpose of the kingdom of God. If you believe that and if you're committed to that, I want you right now to lift those hands one more time and let's worship God together and let's let him do something in our life in this moment come on let's sing let's worship and let's let God do something as we leave this place